When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, we've heard in the news that the latest recruitment drive by the PSNI has shown a small increase in the number of Catholics applying to become police officers here. It's up around 200 on the last campaign, that's in 2018, but the proportion of Catholic applicants remains at under a third. This despite what the Chief Constable described as the seismic and historic attendance of senior Sinn Féin figures at the campaign launch. So what can be done to encourage more Catholic recruits into the police? Well, Alison Morris is the Irish News Security Correspondent, and she joins me now. Good morning, Alison. Good morning. I know, I'm sorry, a little bit hoarse this morning. I hope you can hear me okay. <laughs> <laughs> Alison, um, is this, it is up obviously, but maybe not as much as we had hoped. So obviously the Catholic community aren't really buying into this. I think that the, the figures, given the fact that they're up in general, are pretty much the same as they were during the last recruitment drive in 2008. So it's still positive that so many people from the nationalist community have actually applied to join the PSNI. I think that the, the issues too, that when we look, we can see that there's still a very low number of people who describe themselves as being from others. You know, so anyone from a, an ethnic a minority background is only... Um, is still very low. I think it's only around three percent, and the number of women applying to join the PSNI is also quite low. But in relation to the the nationalist officers, we know that we've had a lot of talk about that lately. We know that Sinn Féin showed up at the latest recruitment drive, and that was to send a very strong message. We've had bishops come out and urge people to consider making the PSNI a career. So every everything, and you know, everyone in civic society, if you like, has has tried to encourage this. But none of this has solved the underlying problems that exist for Catholic officers joining the PSNI. And we know what they are. You know, we know that the, the dissident threat to Catholic officers is greater. And that's simply because they're much easier targeted. You know, there's much, they're much easier to gather information um, on their whereabouts and their movements and where they live and where their families live. And in the past few years, we've also seen faces left outside the homes of, of Catholic officers, elderly parents and, and, and relatives who have also been targeted attack. So you can see that, that the issues remain. So all those words are great and I think that that's very positive, but it doesn't solve the underlying safety issues that still exist no. for officers from a nationalist background. Absolutely. If you had your, your son or daughter in the police or your dad in the police, of, of course, and yeah, there, as you say, the dissident threat is really high as well at the minute. But Lord Patton, he addressed this last night at Queen's. Of, Lord Patton, of course, he oversaw the transformation of the RUC into the PSNI. He says that the nationalist leaders of the party could have done more to encourage Catholic recruits. Would that be fair to say? 
I think in the early days it was very slow and especially in regards to Sinn Féin they were taking very slow steps because they were also trying to, to bring along their base if you like with them on this journey um, to to accept police and then the devolved justice powers and all sorts of other things that probably could have been um, much quicker at the start and look I remember being in work the day the RUC turned to the PSNI and writing these articles and speaking to people at the time someone who had actually been in, in prison a former RA prisoner who was saying that he would like to see his sons or daughters one day maybe being members of the PSNI and there was a, there was a change then that there was a, a, a sort of euphoric sense that this was a complete you know changeover that things would be completely different going forward and they haven't been they've been extremely slow and I think if you went into most nationalist communities now if you went into the Craig and Derry or you went to you know where I'm from in West Belfast and asked people their, their underlying problem wouldn't be that they don't want their children in the PSNI because they don't trust the PSNI the underlying problem was I wouldn't want my child in that because I would be afraid for their safety um, and that's a very different thing you know that's very different than trying to sort of win over the hearts and minds if you like it's a complete safety issue and what happens then when um, national officers do join the PSNI is they have to change their lives completely so if they're um, if you come from a rural community the GA might be you know it's at the heart of your community it's where every social event circulates mm. and, and rotates around to have to leave all that behind to have to leave you know the, the friends you grew up with and went to school with to not be able to socialise maybe in the same clubs or pubs that you would have went to and to have to go and live somewhere else and, and what I was you know when I was writing about this quite recently we know that there's Catholic officers things when they do get through the recruitment process I think Denise your froggy throat is, is smitten. I'm so sorry Alison have I smitten you? Even when they, <laughs> even when they, um, they do get through to the passing out process some of them then drop out they drop out of greater numbers in the first year because they realise that the threat they may have decided that the threat is okay and it's something that they can bear and then when the reality of it actually hits home um, and we've heard you know about Catholic officers joining and then having to go and live you know one bedroom flat somewhere in a town that they don't know mm. among people that you know they've never been familiar with because their lives have changed and find that they just can't do it it's just you know it's too much of a life change and they drop out very quickly It has to be a vocation I think it's something you have to want to do to like to be a doctor or a nurse or be in the police and as you say even harder for Catholics because they have to completely change their lives and think about those safety issues. Now Sinn Féin did back the return of the controversial 50-50 recruitment. That's a positive discrimination to recruit equal numbers of Catholics and Protestants but you, know, you can't force somebody to go into the PSNI. I don't think it's gonna it would make a great deal of difference because it wouldn't solve the underlying problems. I think that that 50-50 process, I think the problem was it stopped too soon. It maybe should have been carried on longer until the numbers were more even and that way you would have a greater number of nationalist officers in higher ranks now as they work their way up um, and that hasn't happened because I think that the 50-50 process ended too quickly but to bring it back now I'm not sure would, would make a, a difference. The underlying difference has to happen, you know, it has to be a, a complete sea change within, within many communities. I think that and as a security correspondent, I have to tell you, the numbers of dissidents are tiny. They're really small. We're talking about, you know, a few hundred people across the entire Northern Ireland. Um, and they would be have stronger, obviously, pockets in certain areas. But if you break them down, they are very, very small numbers of people. That doesn't mean, you know, that they can't cause death and destruction because it doesn't take, you know, very many people to put a bomb underneath somebody's car. Um, 
but but I do think it's getting to grips with that security situation. I think it's also um, making it a, a situation where those young people who are attracted into those dissident groups are given more support and more more um, economic benefits and hopes for the future, so that they see that that is not the way to go. And then also, the problem is that we have like this sort of self fulfilling prophecy because if you come from a, a nationalist community and you feel even that you wanted to join the PSNI, you know if you can't say it, how can you be it? And the only the only thing that they the only time they ever see police, they're inside Land Rovers, they were in Rack there, and we know that that is a safety issue for um, for police, but at the same time, that is all those young people are growing up saying, and that is not what I thought, you know, that generation would be growing up with. I thought, you know, that they would be growing up with very community-led policing, and still, in, and I know that we do have that in general in many areas, but if you go into some places, the only time you will see a police officer is just as if it was the 70s or 80s or 90s, inside Land Rover, wearing rack gear, and then travelling in, in mass and in numbers for um, and that's what those young people are growing up saying and I don't think that that's mm, going to no. give them an image of a force that they can relate to and that they want to be a part of. Absolutely, like not want to be a part of that community. But listen, we have discussed the, the sectarian side of things, I suppose the Catholic and Protestant recruitment, but there is obviously an issue of gender equality as well. What about women and how do they, you know, have we managed to attract more women into the PSNI? And there's very few women in those top tiers too. I think Barbara Gray is the only person that's even um, made it up to the sort of ACC level. And at this point in time, you know, Judith Gillespie left. She was probably the most high-profile female police officer that we knew going back then. And the, if you go up into the higher ranks, you can see the numbers are very low. And the numbers of attracting, attracting women in um, are still very low. And there's there's issues for that that are probably financially prohibitive. For the first six months, I think that the, the, pay, the pay for a trainee police officer is very low. It's very £27,000 um, and if you imagine if you have you know children and, and childcare and all sorts of things that that's not going to be um, it's just not going to be sustainable and also what they're trying to I mean if you're trying to attract people who have degrees and come from all sorts of other careers maybe from probation from prison service who have all sorts of other skills they're not going to leave one highly paid job to go to one that initially is, is quite low low paid although they can they can move up through the ranks very quickly and I do think that you need to get rid of that sort of macho culture and I know that we've spoke before, you know, I spoke to Frank about that image of the Chief Constable sat on Christmas Day, you know, on Cross McLean, the guys with all the big guns around him. And that just gives it the impression of the sort of action man, macho culture of PSNI, you know, policing, um, you know, running around, rolling around the hills, you know, like, a, like they were in some sort of action movie. And that doesn't look like the kind of police force that you would imagine if you were looking at it, would go, well, that be, would that be friendly to me? Would that be a place where as a woman that I would feel a part of that, feel a part of, a part of that culture? Yeah. And I think it's it's important to try and make it that you also give the, the support that we're talking about in relation to nationalist officers. You have to give that support. Like any career that women go into, you know, there's there's support in times of working hours, there's support in times of, of how you start your child career around that, there's support in terms of, is this somewhere where I feel I can make progression? Is this somewhere I feel that I won't be discriminated against for being a woman? Is this somewhere that isn't still this sort of macho patriarchal sort of culture that might be existed within police forces, not just the, the PSNI? the RUC, but within police forces um, you know, across these islands at one stage, and we've seen massive changes in other places where you know, we have you know, female heads in that place and all sorts of other things, but we haven't quite seen that progression here at the same pace. Yeah, that's a very valid point, but I have friends in Alison who didn't make it in because of um, they didn't pass the physical to get in, and they were, they were smart girls, they had degrees 
they um they could I, I definitely could see them in the role, but they just couldn't pass the physical test to get into the place. And like if you if you have something to happen to you and you phone for the PSNI, you don't want them to come through your window on a rope. Do you know what I mean? You want yeah. them to come along and be smart and intelligent and be able to solve. You know, they, they come to have empathy and all sorts of other things. I mean, we're talking about the numbers. If you look at the police stats and the amount of reported crimes, like domestic violence crimes are up there with the highest. You don't need someone who is at the peak of their physical fitness to come through your front door. No, you, you need, need the empathy. Who actually knows what they're doing. Yes, yeah. like, even, and to know what they're doing and to have the intelligence and the wit and you know to go forward and help you in a, in a way that you need. Um, so I think that we know that police officers physically demand a job and have to be physically fit. But I think that making that you know the, the, the pinnacle of what it is that you're sticking on an officer is probably not the right way to go to get the kind of you know staff that you need you know for the, to build a, a full police force. I mean we can have a, we can have I suppose we're going to have a couple of, you know, macho muscly people at the at the side to do those jobs. But at the end of the day, we don't need detectives who are taking their physical fitness. We need ones who know exactly what they're doing. Yeah, and we need women and Catholics and Protestants that want to be in the police and want to be part of the PSNI. That's the most important thing that and you the want to do. people who have came and made this place their, their home. So look, at the, yeah. this is such a change in society as well. And so, so many people have came from other countries now to make this their home. And that's not reflective in the PSNI recruitment stats either. Oh, no. Alison, thank you very much for joining us this morning. I appreciate you taking the no time problem. to join us. No problem. Lovely speaking to you. A okay. cup of tea, uh, lemon and honey. I think Do you, you know, know what? Here <laughs> at night time, it's something a wee bit stronger, but it still hasn't come back. <laughs> Alison, thank you very much. Lovely talking to you. Take care. Okay, Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.